It's a beautiful day outside. I believe it's a great day inside here. Yes, amen. Amen. Yeah, I, I love the worship. What, what can I say? It's so beautiful. You know, I, I, I find it so wonderful that we can step into God's presence. That's something that we could take for granted. But it's something so beautiful that Christ has paid the price on the cross. He has shed His blood so that we can walk boldly into His presence. And we can enjoy His presence. We can worship Him. We can draw near to Him. It's such a privilege, such an honor to know this God that we worship today. It's so good. And, uh, and uh, we have this privilege and, and uh, how we pray and wish that many more outside there will come into this experience that we have had. And even much more than this because of what He has done for us. It's so good and so beautiful. We've been, uh, we have started a, a, a series on the kingdom life last week. If you haven't heard last week's message, please do. Pastor Gideon preached a fantastic message. I was thoroughly blessed. And it's a great challenge for me to continue the message today. Yeah, praise the Lord. But uh, however, I will share with you uh, what the Lord has put in my heart. And uh, this, uh, as, as we were worshiping the Lord, you know, the Lord just reminded me uh, a scripture from uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And uh, where in verse 18, Paul writes that, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The part that the Holy Spirit just placed very clearly in my heart is that and his incomparably great power for us who believe. How much have we perceived this incomparably great power? For us who believe. And Paul is talking to the Ephesians church here. He's talking to them and he's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who are filled with the Spirit. He's talking with people who are praying in tongues. It all began in the book of uh, Acts when the people came from Ephesians and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And to such people, he says that, I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. You may no, his incomparably great power, incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray that we will meditate further on this and we will receive that revelation. As Paul says that, I pray that God will give you the revelation of Jesus Christ and enlighten you. There's so much more in the kingdom of God. And this is the kingdom that Jesus has come to introduce to us. So great is the power that has been provided. And there must be a reason for that. It is not just Jesus coming to redeem us. He knows that we need the power 
of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God to live on this earth, to proclaim this good news. He knows that we need this power to break down the powers of darkness, to set the captives free, and to set those who are bound by chains. He has called us into this incomparable great power that we may experience the abundant life, that we may be blessed to be a blessing to all nations. And this is what God has designated us for. He, in his foreknowledge, he has predestined us to be such children of God, filled with power, filled with knowledge, filled with understanding, filled with revelation, filled with wisdom, so that we will walk as the head and not as the tail. We will set the pace. We will set the direction. We will make the calling. And we will tell to the prince of darkness and those on this earth that this is the God that we worship. This is the God that is true and the one and only God. We will live to proclaim and tell his good name, his, his great name. Isn't that what Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.9? We are a chosen people to declare his praises, to declare the power of his kingdom, to declare authority, and to set nations free. As Jesus has said, uh, the Father has said to Jesus, ask of me, I'll make the nations your inheritance. And Jesus has placed that in our hands, he said, go and make disciples for all nations. We are to go in this power and this authority. I think it's so great. God is so great. He's so great. And he's, he, and he's given us this privilege to be co-workers and to be co-heirs with him in this kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus went about proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he says that the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Yeah, as, as we know that for generations like, like uh, myself and many others, for generations we have lived with our own philosophy, with our own style of living, with our own culture, you know, which has been corrupted due to the fall of man. But God has set eternity in our hearts that we may search and come back to Him. That we may know who He is and worship Him. He's drawing us through different ways. In how He speaks through nature. He speaks through different ones that are around us. He speaks through the animals. To, through, he speaks to the air uh, from all creation. He speaks through signs and wonders and miracles. And he is speaking all the time that we may hear, we may see, and we may begin to search. Because he has set eternity in our hearts. We know that beyond what we are looking today in this material world, there is that eternity. And God has chosen us to come into that place. So Jesus says, the time has now come for us to return. For us to come under his authority and his reign and his kingdom. So Jesus, he went around preaching from city to city. And he began to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And he began to teach people new principles of the kingdom of heaven. And he began to teach the disciples on how to pray. Our Father in heaven bringing us into a relationship away from religion, away from uh, ceremonies that the, the, the Israelites have seen in the Old Testament. He's bringing us into a relationship, calling God our Father. 
The Israelites have only seen the high priest and priest going to the tabernacle and the holy place and doing their prayers. But now Jesus is saying that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. We come to Jesus, we go to the Father. What a privilege. What an honor. We have that, that access through Jesus and we have that access in the kingdom of God. Therefore, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek the face of God. Seek his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus talks about preaching. He says that, but he said to them who were looking for him, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Because that is why I was sent. He was called, he was sent to preach this good news from town to town. And he went from town to town, synagogue to synagogue, by the lakes, by the villages, and by, at the mountains. In every place he went, at the streets, he was talking about the kingdom of God and teaching new principles into people's life. Jesus went everywhere. And Jesus was very passionate with what he was doing. And he was very focused to win people for the kingdom of God. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came to set the captives free, to open prison doors, to give new life, to give a new beginning. And he come with authority and power in the kingdom of God. I remember that uh, uh, many years ago, I was invited to preach in another church in the city of Kuching. We, 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 were, we served, uh, my wife and me, we, we worship and serve in a church called Good News Fellowship that was birthed out of a revival in Christchurch in the 1970s. So now we are making a whole turn coming back to Christchurch, giving back to Christchurch. Glory to Jesus. And uh, we, we, were, we were serving in this church, Good News Fellowship, and I was invited to preach in another church. And uh, as I was just worshiping the Lord, uh, just lifting up hands and just worshipping the Lord. The Lord just dropped two words in my spirit. Fortune telling. Now, the message that I was about to preach has nothing to do with fortune telling. So I went there and uh, before uh, I preached the message, I asked them, you know, any one of you here, you've gone for any fortune telling? or Does it doesn't make any sense to you? Nobody responded. So, well, I let it go, continued the sermon, and after I finished, I finished uh, preaching, then there was uh, a lady that came, and uh, she said, that was me, actually. The fortune teller said that I will have only one child, and now I only have one child. It's been many years we've been trying to have another child, and we can't have another child. That's the deception. The enemy comes to steal the blessings that God wants to give. So we prayed over this woman, and then uh, we left. After about a year later, we were invited to preach in the same church again. My wife and me went there, and uh, we had forgotten everything. And then there was this lady that came carrying a baby in the hand, and she said, this is my second child. 
Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. The devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. But the, in the, there's power in the kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. Because there is no limit in the power of God. That's why the scripture uh, which I read just now talk about incomparably great power for us who believe. Even when the devil says no, when Jesus says yes, it is a yes and amen. Yes, God sets us free and He gives us a new life. And He gives us a rest. He restores us. He restores people. He restores marriages. He restores the wombs that do not have babies. He restores legs that are shriveled. He restores the heart. He restores people in your mind. God is doing great and mighty things all over the world. And this is the good news of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus went around preaching. And he did great and mighty things. Above all this ministry, salvation was always preeminent in the ministry of Jesus. In his heart, above all, Jesus was looking at salvation. In Matthew 8, 6 to 13, this is the faith of the centurion. Centurion who came to Jesus asking for help. He says, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And he talks about how he's a man under authority and he understands authority. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And uh, I felt that every time I see the word faith, I see salvation. Abraham believed in God and was credited unto him as righteousness. And likewise, Paul says, that's how we believe. And by faith, we are saved by his grace. And, and as I was just uh, listening to the Holy Spirit telling me about such great faith, he reminded me the words that Jesus said in the house of Zacchaeus. Today salvation has come into this house. This centurion was experiencing salvation because he has faith in Jesus and not only just for healing, he says, Lord, just say the word. He has faith in the word that Jesus was speaking. There was great authority behind that word. He had faith in those words. And we believe in the word that we have received about the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And we are saved. So likewise, this centurion was looking for healing. But he was experiencing salvation. Because it is credited unto him as righteousness. And I forgot. And as I went back to the Bible and I begin to look at the next scripture. And it confirms to me what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I say to you that many will come from the east and west. And they will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah circumstances that have caused people to come to Jesus looking for a job, looking for healing, looking for, for peace of mind. But all that are opportunities for faith to work and demonstrate something greater in their life. God, the enemy meant it for bad, but God turned it out for good. God is working out in all things. And in all things, He works out for good. For those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, and his will. In everything he works in conformity to his will. So whatever the enemy throws at you and me, he is defeated. There is no struggle. 
The victory has been declared. Because in all things, God works out for good. So this is the power and authority and victory that we have in the kingdom of God. And we need to proclaim this good news to many who are not in the kingdom yet. In Mark chapter 2, verse 3 to 5, we see some men bringing to uh, Jesus a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Uh, since they could not get to Jesus because there was a crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, my heart leaps with joy whenever I see this word, saying that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to this man, your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, friends, our faith can lead others to salvation. They might be weak, they might be paralyzed, they might not be able to see, but our faith extended for their soul, for their needs, for their circumstances. You know, God sees that when two or three agree, it shall be done. Amen? When two or three agree, and these are four people here coming in agreement, and they're willing to uh, put their faith into action, they're climbing up the roof, they're opening up somebody's home at the roof, and they're lowering down this man who has, who's not able to help himself, who's not able to come to Jesus, who does not understand every doctrine and theology, and he just comes helpless. He comes helpless, but there are four men with faith that are united to see this man come into the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus looks at that man and says, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that beautiful? We can extend our faith for someone. Amen. We can preach the gospel. We can extend our faith for our loved one, for our siblings, for our cousins, for our classmates, for our, our workmates. Wherever they are, wherever they are, we could extend Faith to cover them and to bring them into the kingdom of God. It's not just about an individual coming to say a sinner's prayer. It is about grace extended through the faith of other people. And we are called to be people of faith. We are called to be people that will extend God's hand and God's leg and God's heart to the nations and to those that are blind, to those who are helpless, to those who are still in captivity, for those who are confused, for those who have mental issues. They are there in various circumstances. Above all, they can come to the kingdom of God because of somebody else who had faith for them. Do you have faith for your family members who are not in Christ yet? Are you reaching out to God for them, for your, for your siblings, for your parents, or for your children, for your relatives, for your classmates, for your workmates? Are we extending faith? Lord, I believe I will see that this person will come into the kingdom of God because of what you have done on the cross. I believe. Amen. That is the only phrase we need to carry. I believe. Full stop. No contradiction. No space for the enemy to come in. I believe, I believe, and I believe that I will see them in the kingdom of God. Amen? God is able to do much more than what we can ask or imagine. Oh, let us be people that carry that presence of God, the authority in the kingdom of God, bringing the good news, touching the world around us. It doesn't take much. Sometimes it just takes a few moments of giving someone a bit of attention. We never know the little words that we say, the little help that we give, 
the little texts that we sent, the little greetings. In fact, to tell you, sometimes all you have to do is smile at somebody. And God can touch that person. They needed that smile. They needed that encouragement to see somebody cares. Somebody's, someone is alert that I'm around. Somebody sees me. Somebody notices me. Somebody shook hand with me. It's all those little things that count at the end of the day. It's not what big things we can do, but it's the little things that make up for the love of Christ to be demonstrated. Hallelujah. So God is at work. We are called to extend God's, like God's hand, God's heart. We look at Acts chapter 10. When Peter was still speaking in the house of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. They were astonished. Is this true? Is this happening? Well, God has got many surprises for us. And we will be astonished. Is this happening? Is this real? Yes, it is. And more things are going to happen. More people are going to come. As I was worshipping just now, I just felt that God is going to send more hungry people to fill up these chairs. There are going to be more hungry people who want the presence of God, who want the salvation of God, who wants the healing of God, and they're going to come up and fill the places here. Because the Holy Spirit is already at work in many lives outside there. And He's calling them. He's calling them home. And you and I are part of the vessel that God is preparing so that we can walk in the authority and grace and the power of the Holy Spirit touching lives around us. So Peter, as he was uh, preaching, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit was already there. The Holy Spirit knew what Cornelius was doing in his house. Peter didn't know about that. The Holy Spirit knows that Cornelius was giving to the poor. And he was, he was praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, without knowing who Jesus is. From afar. He was calling to a God was, who was from afar. But yet, God draw near to him. And likewise, sometimes... All we need to do is that just share a testimony. We don't need to preach. Share a testimony with somebody somewhere. The Holy Spirit is ready to pounce on them. Ready to touch their heart. Ready to move their heart. It may be a seed sown sometime, you know, in your life. You never know when they're harvested. They could be harvested immediately. But some people will be harvested much later. When I, when, I, when I look at uh, the day I gave my life to Christ, it was not the day I actually heard the gospel for the first time. Many have been sowing seeds into my life. And the Holy Spirit has been prompting and speaking and doing stuff in my life. And it's caused me to continue to search Him. And then one day it came and I was born. I was delivered. I was, you know, I was conceived for the months and the years before that. In the heart of God. But I was born again. I was delivered into his kingdom. And my life was transformed. Likewise, we are all sowing the seeds. When the Holy Spirit takes the seed that you are sowing, life will begin in them. And they will come into the kingdom of God. In Romans 10 verse 14. How then can they call on the one 
they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? My wife and me always remember this testimony. My wife reminded me about this precious story about a pastor called P.G. Vargas, who, who, who was a former soldier. And he has been to, uh, today he's been to many parts of the world, including New Zealand, to preach the gospel. And after six, seven years in the ministry, you know, he and the wife used to, frequent, to uh, frequently go down to the Ganges River. Yeah, because there are, there are about millions of Hindus who are there doing ceremonies. Some will be standing on one leg for days. Some will be sitting in a circle of fire. Some, 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 some will be piercing themselves and doing all kinds of stuff there. And, uh, uh, and uh, Vargas and the wife frequently go there to share the gospel. And one day as he, was, uh, as he was standing in the midst of a crowd of 500 people, his eyes noticed this couple with uh, a baby in the hand. And that baby was, was uh, being fed by the mother. And, and uh, Vargas saw from the distance that the father kissed the baby on the left and the right. Then he gave it to the wife and the wife gave the, ba the baby a long kiss. And then the f father pulled the baby away and threw into the Ganges River. Vargas was shocked. He could hear the scream of the baby floating in the air. There was his personal story told. And when he approached the father who was frozen, who was traumatized by his own action, and asked that, are you poor? He says, yes, I'm poor. And then he asked him, you know, is that a baby boy or girl? He says, it's a boy. Is he crippled or healthy? He says, he's healthy. Are you too poor to feed him? No. I can feed him enough to make him feel like a prince. But why did you do that? He says that the goddess of the Ganges River appeared to the wife and said, in order to achieve salvation, moksha as they call it, salvation, and to stop the recycle of nirvana, of the being born again from one cycle to another, they need to throw that baby into that river. And when, when Pastor Vargas asked them, do you know Jesus? He asked that, you know, uh, where can I buy this Jesus? He was thinking that Jesus was the brand name of something from the pharmacy or some shop to treat the wife. But then Vargas continued to explain. Jesus, the Son of God, came. He died on the cross for our sins. And he became our sacrifice. We do not have to sacrifice again. And the wife who was pulling her hair, has her hair in the hand, and he looked up and said, Sir, in their language, Sir, why didn't you come 30 minutes earlier? My son would have been saved. And since then, Vargas and the wife spent only about 50 days in their homes. The rest of the time, every year, they are out there in the Himalayan mountains preaching the gospel. And by the year 2006, they have planted 6,000 churches in the mountainous area of uh, uh, Himalaya. And that that couple come from a particular village, and when they planted a church in that village, since then, there was no more babies being thrown into Ganges River. There is opportunity to redeem what the enemy has stolen. And God wants to bring this gospel of good news to all. We do not need to go as high as a Himalayan mountain. There are many families 
that need the gospel. Many individuals that need the gospel. Many classmates and workmates that need the gospel. And we are God's chosen instrument. His vessels who are put there for a reason and a purpose. Remember in his foreknowledge, he has predestined us. He has planned he has plans for us, not just for individual life. He has plans for us in our workplace. He has plans for us in our place of study. He has plans for us as we go in and come out, as we, as, as we, as we go around the city. He has plans for us. We are going to meet up with people. And God is bringing people in our path. And Jesus walked around. There are many people in the street just crying out to him. Likewise, as we go around, the Spirit of God will prompt us, their hungry hearts, their hungry soul. A smile will strike a conversation. And a conversation can be an opportunity for a testimony. And a testimony can be an opportunity to sow a seed in somebody's life. And one day, we will see them in the kingdom of God. And one day, I believe they will say, thank you for that day when you smiled and spoke to me and said something about Jesus that left an impact in my life that caused me to begin to wonder more about life. And they came to the gospel after that. There are many possibilities and opportunities that God is giving us. In 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 20, Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Jesus the King has given us a mandate, it's a decree. A decree is an official order that has the force of law. And a decree comes with authority. And he has given us that authority. And he says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All authority has been given in our name. Wherever we go. Jesus says, I will go with you to the very end of age. He will go with us to our schools, our workplace. In the place of play, everywhere we go, he will go, and he is there. I, I remember uh, uh, when uh, my wife was uh, still a school teacher. She was teaching uh, uh, maths in one of her classrooms, and there was this uh, young man who was about 13, 14 then, and he was having diabetes. Uh, and his diabetes was so bad, he was, ha he was having to inject insulin on his shoulder, and uh, after that, he has to inject by his, uh, by, his, uh, by his stomach and by his legs too. And he was getting weaker by the day. His eyes was turning red. His vision was not clear. He was so young. And his brother had to uh, carry him on a motorbike to come to school. And as he was going through all those, you know, uh, and my wife was telling me about this, this boy by the name of Tan. And uh, my heart was moved with compassion. And I knew Jesus can do something about that. And uh, this was in a school situation. So I, I, I was talking to her. Why not ask him to come for our, our youth meeting? And on Saturday, he came for our youth meeting. And we got all the youth to stretch their hands to, to pray for this boy. And after that Sunday, he came again. He was being prayed again. And later on, 
this young boy, he went back to the general hospital in a, in a town called Bintulu, further up. And uh, the doctor actually told him that you can stop your injection. Then after a few months, he went for follow-up again. And the doctor checked on him and two doctors called him separately to another room and asked him, how did you get healed? Glory to Jesus. It was a group of young people, teenagers, who were together, united, praying for another teenager. And he was healed. And prior to that, his brother had to carry him on a motorbike. And he was weak. He can't even walk straight. But after that, we saw him playing basketball and we saw him jogging by himself. And he was healed and restored. And the mother came to church. The mother said that his father has diabetes, his grandfather has diabetes, but now Jesus has broken the curse. Amen? Jesus has set this teenager free. And it was all not about, you know, having a great speaker to go to that school. It was teenagers who gathered around and they started praying for one young man that was sick. Isn't that beautiful, young people? God can do great and mighty things through anyone and everyone. Because it is the office of a believer, as Norm said. We are believers. As we believe, as we believe and go, God goes with us. As we believe and pray, God acts on behalf of us. As we believe and declare, lives are set free. Lives are transformed. As we believe and as we share love with them, lives are touched and they're drawn to this Jesus that we worship. So God is calling us into a lifestyle of the kingdom which is soul winning all the time. We may not see in harvest immediately, every day, all the time. But all the time we can sow, we can water, we can encourage. But somewhere along the line, yesterday or today or tomorrow or next week, somebody is going to come to the kingdom of God. Jesus says that the harvest is many. The harvest is many. Christ Church has many people to be harvested into the kingdom of God. They are in the highways and byways. They are in the malls, they are in the shops, they are in the homes. There's a great harvest that is waiting and time is passing. And uh, for Vargis, his life was so impacted that from then on, he was always motivated to keep on going because he does not want to be late for another soul, another child, another, another person lost to the kingdom of death and darkness. He was so moved by what he saw. But God was with him. And when God was with him, there was great fruit. And we saw the, the, the motto for the Indian evangelical team. Uh, uh, they have a, a training center called Indian evangelical team. And their motto is to reach the unrich at any cost. That was what transformed their life. To reach the unrich at any cost. If we want to transform the world with the good news of Jesus, we need to come to that place. To reach the unrich at any cost. Willing to pay the price of time, of finance, of, 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 of energy, or, or, of uh, effort, you know, to do something to, at any cost. Willing to go the extra mile to touch and to transform lives. God is touching many lives around us. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 12 says, He is 
willing to be a slave to everyone to win as many as Jew, uh, to to win as many as possible into the kingdom of God. To the Jew, he was like a Jew. To those under the law, he was like under the law. To those not under the law, he was also like not under the law, but he was under the law of Christ. To the weak, he appeared weak. But all this he did without compromising his testimony, his character as a Christian. But he wanted to touch lives under any circumstances. And God works under every circumstances. Whether we are having a mountaintop experience or valley experiences, even your story as your past depression can become a story to set somebody else free today. God works in all circumstances and He wants to save life and He wants to bring us into the kingdom. So the scripture says that now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time for expansion of God's kingdom in Christchurch and beyond. Now is the time to proclaim the good news of the kingdom because God is calling us into the harvest field. And He said that, you know, I will go with you to the ends. And Peter makes it very clear when the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost that salvation is found in no other name under heaven by which we must be safe. He used the word, we must be safe. Because this is God's will that all men be safe. Hallelujah. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. As we bow our heads this evening, If there's anyone in this room, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you probably came to church, you probably visited Christian friends and Christian programs, but you haven't actually surrendered and given your life to Jesus, He's got a greater plan for you. The kingdom of God does not rob us away from blessing. He adds blessing and He gives us a greater blessing. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, your heart has not conceived the greater plans He has for you because His ways are higher than your ways. If you have, haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, I invite you this evening, would you put up your hand to Jesus this evening? Say, yes, Lord. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to be your vessel. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Just lift up your hands to Jesus while we are here agreeing in the presence of God. Just lift up your hands to Jesus. He has come to seek and to save. He has come to set free. He has come to redeem. He has come to bring us into a new life. A life that is far superior that comes from the kingdom of heaven. If you are here, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, you could experience this new life that Jesus talks about. Just lift up your hands to Jesus gently and He will come. He will do it for you. Thank you, Father. For your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish everything that you have said. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not pass away. It will accomplish. None will be lost because your word has been sown. We declare that none that have heard your word today will be lost because it will not return to you void. 
we decree that in the name of Jesus. And we pray hearts will be softened by your grace. Hearts will open up by your grace. We thank you, Father. We worship you. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.